check, 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 check a one, check a one, check a one, one. Skeet. Yeah. Skeet. Dog, dog. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Scott Cast, episode number two. I'm very grateful to be here, and I have a lot to share with you guys. So grab a seat, grab some popcorn, and get some refreshments and settle in. It's going to be a minute. <laughs> First of all, I'd like to say thank you to NCTV18 and Jackie and Frank and Katie and Lisa and Charlie, everyone down there at the uh, at the stage at the station and this beautiful new podcast studio that we get to use here. So if you if you want to use some of these amazing equipment and um, learn and meet these amazing people, you got to jump on board at NCTV and join the uh, community here. Become a member. You won't regret it. That being said, I'm fresh off my marathon run about a week ago, did the Boston Marathon, and I uh, was very fortunate. I finished in four hours and 12 minutes. I was hoping to get her done in 3.56, but the gods were against me. I had to walk a little bit, but all in all, it was an amazing experience and incredible just feeling of accomplishment when you cross that finish line, so... If you want to run a marathon, I highly recommend it, but I must say you got to put the hours in and it's a lot of time on your feet by yourself, stuck in between your two ears there, but I tell you, it's totally worth it. So I highly recommend it. Be a marathoner. <laughs> Some people might think that they, you know, can't run a marathon. And if, uh, if you think you can't run a marathon, then guess what? You can't. But if you think you can, you can. And it all starts with just training. I ran about 500 miles in five months training for the Boston Marathon. It started in November. Not only did I have a lot of running to do, I had to raise money for um, a cause that uh, is very near and dear to my heart, Team End Alzheimer's. We have to raise $10,000 if, if you can't qualify for the race. At my age, 53 years old, I believe you got to run a three, three hours and 40 minutes uh, marathon, Boston qualifier, but that wasn't happening. So I had to raise some money and it was for a great cause and I really enjoyed it actually. I raised over $10,000. I had 85 different, very generous people that donated. And um, I was completely blown away by the generosity and, um, you know, all the different people that got on board. It, it just, it's, it just, it warms my heart. So that was, that was just an amazing experience. You know, I didn't know if I was going to be able to make all that money. You you sign the, the agreement and you say, okay, you, 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 uh, you guarantee to, you're responsible for $10,000. So if you don't raise the 10,000, whatever you don't raise, you, you pay it. It goes right onto your own credit card. So <laughs> the, 
the pressure's on from day one. And I started out, you know, I called up some of my uh, go-to friends to announce that I was running the marathon again. And of course, um, the usual suspects, they always uh, donate. One of my more affluent friends put $1,000 in there. And uh, another good buddy of mine, Jimmy Meehan, Uncle Jimmy, you know, the godfather of uh, sports and triathlon on Nantucket. He was quick to put in 500. So that got me up and running. But then it sat. It did. It sat for a while from like December 1st all the way until almost the end of January. And then about January 31st, I uh, started getting some more, some more um, donations coming in. I had, was starting to get some traction. I, um, I knew that the only way I was going to be able to raise this money was if I, had to put a lot of effort into it. And, you know, I was willing to do that. I knew it wouldn't, otherwise it was not going to be a success. So as hard as it is to train and run for a marathon, it's equally as hard to, to make all that money and earn it and um, donate it. <sighs> but it happened. It did happen. So, you know, at some points during the training, I didn't know if it was going to happen. I was having a little doubts here and there. And, even with my training, you know, I was, I started out, I was uh, 10, 15 pounds heavier. I was overcoming an injury and it just, uh, it seemed like an insurmountable task of climbing Mount Everest to, to, to train for this marathon. But, you know, it was my second time running the marathon and I didn't want to, I ran it in 2018 and then I didn't run it the next year and I watched all my friends run again and then I see other people running it and raising the money and doing it and I wasn't putting the work in. I was still running a lot, but I just wasn't doing that marathon thing and, and, and a couple marathons went by and then we had Corona, which I don't love talking about, but that's true. So they canceled it. They didn't even have the um, marathon that year and and then it came back. It was a virtual marathon. It wasn't the same. And then they ran the real one. And I remember, I think Katie Manchester from Nantucket was running it. And I was so, not jealous, but just envious. Or, you know, I was like, wow, she worked hard for it. She got it. She got to do the race and she finished, you know. And I, and I missed that feeling that it's a scary feeling. <laughs> but, um, it you know, you got to run with a purpose. I ran with a purpose this time. And. And that's when I got results. So I was, you know, I lost weight during the training for, I mean, there was a lot of runs at four o'clock, four thirty, five a.m. in the winter out there by yourself in Nobadir, running down the road in whatever the weather brings you, you know, whatever the good Lord gives you, that's what you're getting. And that's what you, uh, you got to train in it. So I went out in the rain a few, several times and, you know, you get used to it. And then I went and I'd go shingle all day outside and, um, it's, uh, it's, it's tough. It's a tough, tough, tough racket, but you know what us new Englanders, we are tough. And that's why we can do those things and train in the winter and get through it and then have an amazing run in April after you did, you'd put the work in, but it's a long, it's a long haul along the way. And, um, you know, your body, it wants to quit. Like I said, I'm 53. My body said, why don't we take the winter off this year, eat some donuts, hang out, enjoy the, the holidays, you know, watch your kids grow up and gain 20 pounds. 
And it, you know, it sounded like a great idea on paper, but I just didn't want to lug that gut around anymore. I had that gut for so long and you know, I'm, I'm willing to go all ends of the earth to make sure that thing doesn't come back on my waist. So it was hard to get rid of it and it's easy to come back, but it's hard to keep running and running and running over the years. And I've, uh, I've, I've been running for five years, it's been six years, but five years officially keeping track. And, um, after I lost 50 pounds and I've, I've ran over 5,000 miles and, you know, I feel like I've accomplished a lot as a runner, not the fastest runner, but I got tenacious qualities and I don't give up. So I got some good strengths and I got these ham hocks back here that take me to the finish line every time. Plus I just, you know, when you get to my age, you start running on, uh, you're running against the clock, if you know what I mean. So tick tock, tick tock, the funky clock don't stop. You got to just keep on keeping on. And that's what we do as marathoners, as people, as people in the, as parents, as people in the community, leaders, you know, challenges, the things we have to overcome. It's incredible to really see people put so much work and effort into things and then it comes to fruition and it's not going to happen overnight. You know, uh, Ice Cube said, don't expect to get paid one penny starting a project for five to 10 years. You know, every overnight success takes 10 years in the making, sometimes 20 years in my case. <laughs> But that's the thing. If you're persistent and consistent and you have a passion for something, you can you can really deliver the goods. Yay, 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 yay. How you doing? Welcome to the Scott cast. I'm telling you, this is episode number two. And it's it's amazing. It's fascinating. I'm so glad to be here. I didn't think I'd have a lot to talk about. I got no notes, as you can see. No notes. I come in here and I just fly off the cuff. That's why I'm a freestylist. But the style is not for free. Ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be an amazing experience, this podcast, the Scott cast. We're going to delve into some fascinating topics all around Nantucket, but not only that, all around the world, because I'm going to tap in to the core of what a human being is all about and what makes us tick. That's what I'm fascinated with. So if you guys have questions for me, you can hit me up. Scott Capizo, 1111 at me.com. Send me your questions. I'll answer them on the air. We'll get to them. We'll talk turkey. Yeah. I'll be your local psycho psychologist, and I'm going to take you to the promised land. <laughs> now back to the show. Also, I would like to say if, if anybody would like to sponsor this show, because we are really going to take it by storm here. We're going to, I think there's going to be a large audience interested in listening to me babble because I love a I love a captive audience. And. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a movement. It's a movement. <laughs> and uh, I'm really excited for the summer coming up here. The, the, um, the season on Nantucket is going to be incredible. The traffic is already blacked up to the, uh, back roads and you got to, uh, 
you got to find alternative ways to get to school and work. Already it's happening. And, you know, the vibe of a lot of the workers here, it's a little angry. How can you be angry? You're already on Nantucket. But everybody's just going to have to take a little step back, relax, quiet down, calm down, take a chill pill. It's only landscaping, okay? You're mowing a lawn. You don't have to block the road for five hours. You don't have to do it. You don't have to be angry driving around. You're making good money. You're saving money. Keep it all in perspective, ladies and gentlemen. That's what I'm talking about. So I wanted to run this marathon. I didn't know if I could do it again. I was coming off a big injury. And I was felt like I was dragging two cinder blocks, you know, and my gut. But I did it. I kept on it. I stayed persistent. I kept running. I kept running. And eventually, it started to pay off. I noticed that I was getting better, a little better, a little quicker. Lost a couple pounds. So I was able to uh, stay on my feet longer. And, um, you know, trying to keep it all in perspective. I didn't want to get too cocky or uh, overconfident, and I wanted to make sure that I had a great run on that day, so everything was culminating at that moment. Yeah, so, you know, I knew that raising the money was going to be tough, okay? I had just finished my house, and um, I... uh, I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't have any money. All I had was was energy, good vibes, and music. And I wanted to take music and spread it. I wanted to spread the positive vibe of music to our elders. The last time I ran the Boston Marathon, you know, I ran it on behalf of my dad. He was still alive at that moment. He passed away. He passed away a month after I finished the first marathon. My son was born two days after that. Named him Vito. Commemorative. But this time was a little different. You know, I, um, my dad is gone, and I didn't want to just harp on the coach's uh, legacy anymore. So I wanted to actually try to make a difference in people's lives that are still alive. <laughs> right? So... Um, that's what I did. I took it DJs and dumplings and we took it to the Island home. We took it to Sherburn commons, the salt marsh center. And I actually did the auctioning for the homestead house on main street. So I, I basically got to, um, meet all the olders people on the Island. And, and, and (laughs) let me tell you something. Those people know how to party. Yes, they do. You know you've got the party going on when they start to do the choo-choo train around the party. That's when I know. That's what it's talking about. It really helped me reconnect with um, a, a, the generation of people that are, you know, they're, they're getting older. We're all getting older. And um, they're not going to be around forever. So it reminded me of just growing up here. It was so special. Um, you know, it was nice. Uh, you know, a lot of the um, the husbands have passed on, and the moms are still here. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, it's true. The women do live longer. That's right. The women probably are smarter, actually. So that song that Bobby Weir used to sing is probably accurate. 
But I want to try to smash that stereotype myself personally. I'd like to live a long time. My grandfather lived to be 102 years old. So I, I think I could do that. He was still driving late into his 90s and all that. And um, that, was, uh, that was pretty remarkable. That was good news for the uh, genetic DNA makeup of your old buddy, Mr. Scott Capizzo here. <laughs> yeah, so just reconnecting with all those old people and playing music for them, you know, rock around the clock, all just tapping into that 50s stuff. And it was great, you know, spreading music is a positive vibe and, you know, and they love it. So and it, it just grew from that. And um, and then eventually we did the Saltmarsh Center. We they hired us this time. And um, my wife made dumplings and spring rolls and noodles and uh, Chinese pizza, which is technically onion chive bread. But I call it Chinese pizza. And uh, they had 40 people there, you know, and it was a lot of uh, who's who from the Nantucket, the Nantucketers or Taz, if you will. And, um, you know, like my teacher was there, a couple babysitters and I did my show. I did uh, not only do I play music and my wife supplies incredible food. I um, I do a little stand up comedy, if you will. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know how funny it is, but I'm pretty good at telling stories. So like I said, I love a captive audience and that's what you have a captive audience. And, you know, it was um, it was great. It was very, very great. So that really helped me just get back to my roots and, you know, what what it's all about here on Nantucket. You know, even though the building is so crazy and there's just chaotic driving on the roads and you know, people from every country in the world is here, but, but, uh, you know, Nantucket still has that amazing core community people that, that, that just means so much to me. It means my home, you know, it's my home and I've traveled all around the world looking for something better. And, you know, I did for a long time, but I never could find it. I always ended up back here. I just, I don't know what it, what it was, but I think I know what it was. <laughs> You know, I can afford to live here and live a certain lifestyle if it, um, in one of the nicest places in the world, one of the most famous resorts. You know, otherwise, if I wanted to do that somewhere else, it'd be a lot more expensive. So that's my little secret. And don't let anybody know, okay? <laughs> so I, you know, I, I noticed myself getting better training, right? I'm training, I'm running. I'm like, oh, it's not so bad. The weather was pretty decent this winter. We, we had a, you know, a, not a bad winter. Anyway, about three weeks out of the, uh, the race and it's, it's, uh, it's crunch time. But, the, you know, I started making all this money, not personally at work. I mean, uh, <laughs> the donations were coming in and everybody was really jumping on board. It was uh, so interesting. And, you know, I'm just so grateful and amazed at the, the people that, that, that did donate you know, it was people from my college days. I mean, 30 years ago, you know, people that don't have a lot of money, they give me 20 bucks. That meant so much to me. Um, and then other people that for whatever reasons, you don't know what people are going through, especially like, you know, they're everyone's suffering, um, from something. And, uh, you know, a lot of family members have this, this terrible disease of Alzheimer's. Like one in six people, I get it or something. And, uh, you know, it's crazy. It's the most expensive disease. It's, it's, it can ruin fortunes. And, and, um, 
There's nothing worse than talking to a loved one and they have no idea who you are. But I don't want to go down that, that road too much. What I like to focus on is the, uh, the positive side of the effects that happen. So just meeting all these people, especially on my team and Alzheimer's, there's 33 of us. And um, we raised over $460,000, which was uh, the number three out of all of the all the all the charities running uh, for the Boston Marathon. We were top number three. Wow. You know, some of these charities like uh, no, they have 50 plus runners, 50, 60 runners. We have 33. So it was incredible to see uh, that that side of the show and then meeting these people too uh, on my team they're just you know all walks of life you got hippies you got lawyers cops politicians run-of-the-mill you know m moms and uh but then like uh, uh astrophysicist scientists you know it's, it's like crazy runners are the weirdest people in the world too for the record runners have serious problems okay i said it it's true i live by it and i mean it and but when i run it all melts away. It just dribbles, dribbles, dribbles. I go through all the emotions when I'm running. I'm telling you, man, my mind is like, you fat, useless slob. Look at you. Who do you think you are? Why do you think you can run? You can't run. Go eat another pizza. You fat, terrible pig. Why don't you just watch a movie, eat a pizza, and take a nap? Well, that didn't work for me, thankfully. Well, it did work for a long time, but it didn't work, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think you do. I think you do. Anyway, I'm just loving the Scott cast. You know, I'm going to um, take it in all different forms. It's going to become like a variety show. So we're going to show old footage of um, back in the day when I was a, a filmmaker and I interviewed a lot of famous people. So we'll see some good celebrity clips. I've... I've been on TV and in movies, and I've also um, been on the radio with with uh, the likes of Adam Carolla and Danny Bonaducci. So <laughs> it's uh, it's amazing, you know. And I have some some good friends that are big writers and uh, movie producers in Hollywood, and and um, there know there's a Simpsons episode written about my dad and and uh, myself. So I, I, I'm going to show you all these different topics as uh, time goes on. But this is you know this is episode number two. It's just like still like an introductory you know show. So you get you get to get, get to know me a little bit. You can figure out my uh, idiosyncrasies. Ha ha ha. Oh, that's right. Okay, so where are we at? 22 minutes in here. I think I'm going to. Um, Talk about running the marathon. So you wake up. It's a, it's a lot of process. You know, you wake up about 4.35 a.m. I did sleep remarkably well the night before. I, um, I had a hotel room. I was off island with my family, but I got my own hotel room. They went to the Jurassic World thing at the Worcester uh, Centrum there, and, and uh, I just laid there. <laughs> I laid in the bed for 24 hours. And I got up. I ate some pizza. I had some P.F. Chang's. I love those lettuce wraps. Yeah. Stop playing, dog. I was over by the Natick Mall. So I rented a car, slept all night, woke up the next morning, drove up to Boston to meet with my team. We stayed, we all meet at the Colonnade Hotel. And, uh, well, we had our banquet uh, two nights before. So I was already familiar with that 
place and we met so we meet there they got a nice big room you know coffee bagels and whatever the bus leaves promptly at 7 30 a.m it takes you to the starting line hopkinton let me tell you something when you're driving out of boston and uh you're you're going to the to the to the starting line of the race and you just keep driving you're on uh you know the turnpike 90 just keep just keep driving and driving and driving and driving you're leaving the city and you're like how the hell am i gonna run this far back it's uh it's a little bit daunting but luckily this was my second time so i was already ready for that and this, you know, I was trying to enjoy the moment, suck it, soak it in, talk to uh, the different runners on our team. Some of our runners are really fast. They were, um, they already qualified for the, uh, the race so, um, as it is. So a couple of these young guys, I was talking to them and it's just so cool. You know, you, you share running with people. It's, 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 uh, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting cause it's something you do alone a lot, but you can run with people also, but you know, you, you spend most of the time just running alone, but then when you get to run with people or meet other people that have that same passion, it's awesome. It's awesome. So you know, I'm, 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 I'm high, I'm high, but you know, you, you don't want to, uh, you don't want to overdo it. You know, you don't want to be overzealous. <laughs> you don't want to have a premature ejaculation if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> So we get to Hopkinton High School, and you got two hours to wait. It's like, oh, my God, two hours. What am I going to do? Sit there. Everybody sits there. So you just laid there. I just laid there in the gym for an hour. And then I uh, about an hour before, you know, so now it, our time to start was 11.15. So we meet at 7.30. We drive to, the, to Hopkinton. By the time we get off the bus, you got two hours to wait. Yeah, that, so that, but then when that last hour, that last hour kicks in, you're like, whoa, okay. People start getting up. They start moving around a little bit. You can feel the energy shifting. Everybody's getting excited. Like, oh, here we go. Here we go. You wait so long, you know, it's like, hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. And then, then you got to go. When you got to go, you got to go. If you know what I mean, you got to get it going. Come on. Holla at a player. If you know he's the man. Skeet dog. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love ya. Love to love to love ya. And then it's time to go. So we set up for the corrals. They heard you up. You got to walk a mile. You got to walk like a mile from the, the, uh, the high school, Hopkinton High, over to the starting line there. You see Doug Meehan up there in the stands. And, uh, and then you hear the gunshot. Bang! And then you don't move. <laughs> Everybody just is like, you want to run? But, but nobody moves because it's so crowded. So you got to wait. And then finally, you know, you're coming out, you start moving like, oh, yeah, I'm moving now. And you're like floating, right? Just you feel this energy wave. Just like you look ahead up the road and there's just thousands and thousands of people flowing. You're kind of like, you're just like, you know, gliding. (laughs) You don't feel anything. You just, this is in this energy field. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fucking awesome. Let me tell you. So then, you know, I'm sorry. So I'm like, I'm always want to, I want to get out there and just go. So I'm like, you know, there's a couple of like angry women trying to get in there and elbow you through and stuff. It's like, not yet, sweetheart. This show's just beginning. And then I mean, ticka, 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 ticka. I'm kicking it, kicking it, kicking it, kicking it, kicking it. 
And um, I knew my family was up at mile seven in Natick, right? So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm trying to find them because we're going through all these crowds. These people are crowds are cheering. It's like, rawr, it's rawr. Like, yeah, man. Wow. It's so incredible. You just want to soak it all in, but I don't want to miss my family either. It's, it's a fine line. So I'm coming up on Natick and uh, Nick Natick is where my dad grew up. And the first time I ever saw the Boston Marathon, I was 11 years old, 1980 or 81. And um, we were we were in Natick visiting my grandma, Nona, Nona Capizo. And um, it was the day of the marathon. So the marathon was running by the house. And I was like, Jim, Jim Fix there. The, who's the one that... Uh, one of the guys that was really famous, he might have died. He wrote the book. He uh, he ran by. We saw him, you know, the famous guy there. And this is back when the white guys were still winning. So <laughs> I always had a dream, though, that day. I wanted to run the Boston Marathon. It just seemed like an impossible thing for a little kid, you know. And then fast forward 35 years later or more, I uh, I did it. So here I am running into Natick again, and it's like coming full circle, you know? And then but there's my family this time. And there they are, waving the flag. Oh! My daughter made this amazing sign, you know? And just to see their faces, my wife, oh, it just meant so much to have that support. Man, it was, it was, it was awesome. I really loved that part. So that kept me floating on through, right? And, um, you know, I'm running nice eight tens. That first half of that marathon came in at hour and 56, which is I wanted to get under that four hour mark. So I knew I had to get an under a two hour half marathon, which I did. But then I got uh, I got a little tired. I don't know what happened. I might have hit a wall of some sort. I hit a wall. So I'm slowing down. I'm feeling sorry for myself. I'm like, oh, come on, man. You freaking did. You work so hard for this. You know, try to enjoy it. You know, you can get through it. And then uh, a guy with one leg passed me. One friggin' leg. He had a stump and one of those feet shoe things with a giant platform on it. And that little, that son of a bitch was flying. And he, and he wasn't feeling sorry for himself. And I said to myself, suck it up, buttercup. It's time to get moving. And that's exactly what I did. And I just started chicka, chicka, chicken, chicka, chicka, chicken, chicka, chicka, chicken. I had to go in deep. Heidi Haig, she donated. And on and her comment, it said, dig deep, Skeet. And I thought of that, you know, thought of that. Dig deep. And I did. I dug deep. I thought I was going to have a heart attack at one point. My heart's frigging pounding. And I'm like, Jesus. I go, if, if I have to have a heart attack and die and don't finish this race, this is the worst thing. I said, you know what? If I'm going to have a heart attack, I'm going to have the heart attack tomorrow. I'm finishing this race today. And this, I was thinking that, right? This little girl is four years old looking at me. And I look down and she goes, oh, my God, you are incredible. You're going to finish the Boston Marathon. And I was like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. And that was it, man. I got up over Heartbreak Hill, Hamburger Hill, as I call it, up by BC. And the crowd is BC. Yeah, BC is different. It's a different breed. And then you come down, boom, through Brookline and off into the city of Boston. And then you're just like, you see the Boston Strong sign over the bridge. You see the Sitgo sign over by Fenway. 
and you know you're going to make it, you know, and everyone's cheering now, just, oh, my God, it's crazy, you know. And then you run by the crowds and you just, come on, come on, and the roar. I mean, it must have been what, like what it felt like for Tom Brady to win Super Bowls, just to have that crowd is so loud and just the energy is like lifts you off your feet and literally carries you along. And so, and then you know, my legs are cramping up. I did have to walk a couple times. But um, but there was no stopping me on that day. And I did get in there at four hours and 12 minutes. And it, it was awesome. I got to see um, a lot of Nantucketers there. Tom McCann, Tucker Holland, Jim Shaw, uh, David Creed from Nantucket Current, and um, Billy Honk from... Uh, from the radio station, the big photographer over there, and you know, among other talents, and and uh, yeah, and Danielle O'Dell, you know, uh, I just, it's just, and Doug Flutie, <laughs> I saw Doug Flutie over there at the finish line. I finished right before him, for the record, and uh, there he was, and I go, Doug, a true champion, and that moment got captured on WCVB TV up in uh, Boston there, and so. I made Boston.com, right? There's a picture of me standing with Dougie. And then another um, picture they took of me running with my Enz Alzheimer's shirt. That made it onto Boston.com's uh, website, the front page. and Yeah, and then uh, Nantucket Inquirer Mayor did an amazing story. I loved that. And they put my picture up there. I just looked like champion. Now everybody was sick of me whenever I walk in the stop and shop. But, uh, hey, whatever. You know, apparently it's a big deal when a former fat guy runs a marathon. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? I didn't know. I had no idea. I couldn't believe it. So that's it. You know, I just want to say thank you for everyone that, that, that helped donate. I really literally could not have done it without you. It's, it's true. It's, you know, so many different people, not only the 85 people that donated, there's other people that, along the way, you know, I want to talk about Robbie, uh, Bobby Ramos, you know, and, and um, um, oh God. Marine Lumber, you know, people that I, I've, um, I've had to do payment plans with people to just to, uh, to pay off my bills from, from, um, finishing my house and everybody's been very cordial and patient and I'm just chipping away at them one by one. There's not that many, but they're almost dealt with. And, uh, you know, it was a big task. So it's just, it's just. The whole community, it just blows my mind. I'm so proud to be from Nantucket, you know, no matter how or what it's like here in changes and all that stuff, you know, it's still to the core. It's just an incredible, incredible, amazing place that I love. I do. I love it so much. And I love my children and I love my wife and I love my family and I love the daffodil is coming tomorrow. We'll be at... We'll be out there. Noemi's dumplings and I and my family will be out there. She's going to be giving dumplings away. You won't. It'll be too late by the time this podcast gets aired. But know that you did miss something very incredible. But we'll give you more um, heads up on that kind of stuff as the summer rolls on. It's going to be a very amazing summer. Noemi's dumplings will be at the farmer's market every Saturday, slinging and banging those dumplings and uh, DJs and dumplings. That's a thing that we will be having our show. We'll be doing parties and weddings and all sorts of events, starting off with the Luna Fest. I'll be DJing the Luna Fest for, T, for um, 
Nantucket Community TV 18 over here at the uh, studio. I'm enjoying this new podcast setup. I could just run my mouth for hours and hours and hours. And like I said, if you want to donate, I would love that. Donate to the show. If you want to come on the show, you want to talk about specific things that are important to you, we can do that too. Hey, I just want to let you all know, thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. You can check me out at Skeet Dog 11 on YouTube and Instagram and uh, Facebook for all you oldies out there, you know. But anyway, that's about all I have to say today. Skeet Dog. Skeet, Skeet, Skeet Dog. Enjoy the show. It's the Skeet Dog Show, the show you want to know. It's all original, going all around the globe. We've been to many places doing many different things, learning about people and their culture when they sing. It's a beautiful thing. So come and join in. Skeet Dog Show is ready to begin. The Scott Cast. I love you. Peace. podcast is brought to you in part by Nantucket Community Television. It was recorded in NCTV's podcast studio, which is free for all members. The views expressed in this episode belong to the speakers and do not necessarily reflect those of NCTV. To become a member or to learn more, please email info at nctv18.org.